In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What is better than a really well-crafted question? Think about it. From German philosopher Leibniz's, why is there something rather than nothing, to which came first, the chicken or the egg? We love questions. Kids especially love questions. I saw a study from the UK that found that the, kid who, the kids who ask the most questions are four-year-old girls, which surprises no one who has daughters, and I have two. Apparently, at their peak, at the height of their powers, four-year-old girls can ask an average of 73 questions a day. We are practically born asking questions. Why is the sky blue? Where did the dinosaurs go? Where do babies come from? That I always said, ask your mother. So I, um, I heard about two Vanderbilt students who had a um, physics test scheduled on Monday. But they wanted to go to a party in Memphis on Sunday night. So they knew that if they went to the party in Memphis and had a good time, they would, there's no way they'd be back in time for the test on Monday. So one of them said, let's just tell the professor that we had a flat tire. She can't punish us if we have a flat tire. So they went to the party, had the great time that they expected, uh, got up the next day, drove back, and then they emailed the teacher with their flat tire excuse, and they asked for a makeup. And so the teacher said, certainly, happy to give you a makeup test. So <clears throat> when they show up for the makeup, the, the teacher hands each of the students one piece of paper, a single sheet. And she says, there are only two questions on this test. The first counts 10%. The second counts 90%. Take your time and just answer as best you can. So they looked at the first, you know, the front of the page, and it said, uh, who came up with the theory of relativity? And they both smiled at each other, and they thought, ah, this is easy. It's Einstein, 10%, very easy. And then they flipped to the back, and question two was which tire was flat? It's a good question, right? It's a really good question. And so is what we get in today's gospel. Somebody's bringing a question to Jesus. It's actually one in a series of questions people have been asking Jesus in this section of Mark's gospel. So in chapter 11, some priests and scribes find Jesus in the temple and they demand to know, by whose authority are you doing what you're doing? So basically, it's the equivalent of, how dare you? Then, after that, uh, some Pharisees and Herodians try to trap Jesus. Remember with the question about uh, paying taxes to Caesar, is this right or not? And then Sadducees uh, come, and they try to trap Jesus with a question about the resurrection, which Sadducees didn't even believe in in the first place. And then finally, a single scribe comes to Jesus and asks a single question, which commandment is first of all? Which commandment is first of all? So I want to spend the next few minutes with three questions of our own. First, whether. Second, 
what, and then third, why. First of all, question one is whether. And my question is whether it is kosher, it's okay, to ask questions of Jesus in the first place. If Jesus was God, is it okay for us to question Him and bring Him our whys, our, our whats, even our how dare yous? And the short answer is yes. Yes, it is. And to find that answer, you only need to look as far as the Psalms. The Psalms are full of people bringing questions to God. So Psalm 110 says, uh, Psalm 10 says, Why do you stand so far off, Lord, and hide yourself in time of trouble? Psalm 22, Why have you forsaken me? Psalm 89, Where, Lord, are your loving kindnesses of old? There are examples all over the Bible of people with legit questions bringing them to God and demanding an answer. In fact, there is a broad swath of the church even today that's asking deep questions of God. Uh, Tish Harrison Warren may be a name that some of you know. She's a priest, author, um, columnist for the New York Times. And just last week, she wrote this in Christianity Today. Deconstruction is a buzzword these days. The term ex-evangelical, ex-evangelical, has emerged as an identity marker. People's faith stories and their losing faith stories are often emotional and vulnerable. They grow out of biography and experiences, so Christians struggling with faith need love and listening ears, not merely argument. Asking hard questions about faith is normal. It is a necessary part of Christian maturity. And St. Bartholomew's has a reputation that I'm actually very grateful for. We have a reputation. When I, when I ask people, you know, why are you here? Why is this your church as opposed to any of the thousand others that are in Nashville? Why do you come to St. Bartholomew's? Often I will hear it is a safe place for me to bring my questions, for me to ask questions about God, about faith, about the meaning of it all. So, to our first question, the question of whether, then the answer is yes, it is okay to question God. Second question, what? One of the scribes came near and heard the Sadducees disputing with one another. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked them, which commandment is first of all? Jesus answers not with just one commandment, but with two. He says, the first is, is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. <clears throat> you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So our what question is what are we here for? What is the point of all of life? What's this all about? And Jesus answers by saying, love God, love people. Love God, love people. That's the heart of this Christian thing. And I could preach a whole series about 
what it means to love God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. But the bottom line is that Jesus is saying God gets first allegiance. God gets our heart, our primary allegiance. Uh, origin of Alexandria, the uh, great theologian said in the third century, when you decide to have no God or Lord except the one God and Lord, you have declared war on all others without treaty. War on all others without treaty. That's what it means to love God with all your heart. And you cannot separate loving our neighbor, loving people, from loving God. They're two sides of one coin. So if you want to know how well you're doing at loving God, just ask yourself how well you're doing at loving people. Uh, Matt Perman says, uh, here's the test for what that looks like in your life. How should we love others? The same way we love ourselves, which means take the energy you have for meeting your own needs and use that as the measure of energy you use in seeking the good of others. Desire and seek the good of others with the same passion, creativity, and perseverance as you seek your own. Love God, love people. You probably know that Jesus didn't just make this up. I mean, he's, he's going back and quoting what is... Uh, called the Shema. The word Shema, it's basically the centerpiece of Jewish religion, something that Jewish parents would teach their children as soon as they were able to talk. It comes from Deuteronomy 6. Shema Yisrael. This formula was the foundation for daily prayer for Jews. They prayed in the morning, they prayed at night. And they even write it down on little pieces of parchment and then put it in leather boxes called phylacteries that they wear on their arm, they wear on their forehead. Uh, even today, sometimes, uh, if you go to uh, the house of a Jewish person, they'll have a little box attached to the side of their door. It's called a mezuzah. And inside that is a, a piece of parchment with the words, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And that first word, Shema, hear, that's the key. Hear, or listen is what it means, literally. And here's how one source puts what it means, because it's much more than just listen. Listen in Hebrew does not simply mean the sound, to let sound waves enter your ears. Instead, the word listen means to allow the words to sink in, provide understanding, and generate a response. In other words, in Hebrew, hearing and doing are basically the same thing. Hearing and obeying are basically the same thing. And I hope that St. Bees is not just a place where we can come and ask questions. I hope that we're a place where we really want to hear God's answers. And my fear sometimes about deconstruction is not that we're asking inappropriate questions. I don't think there are inappropriate questions. I think sometimes, with, at least with me, it's that I really don't want to hear the answers. Uh, C.S. Lewis did not want to hear answers at one point in his life. In, uh, 
his little book about his conversion to Christianity called Surprised by Joy, he said, what mattered most of all to me was my deep-seated hatred of authority, my monstrous individualism. No word in my vocabulary expressed deeper hatred than the word interference. But Christianity placed at the center what then seemed to be a transcendental interferer. There was no region, even in the innermost depth of one's soul, which one could surround with a barbed wire fence and guard with a notice, no admittance. And that was what I wanted, some area, however small, of which I could say to all other beings, this is my business and mine only. If Jesus is God, His answer to the scribe's question is the most important question in the whole world. What is the meaning of life? His answer is, love God and love people. That's the most important commandment. It's the summum bonum, the greatest good, the real reason that we're here. And so if that is our what, then we are not far from the kingdom of God. Which leaves us only question three. Why? We know it's okay to bring questions to God. That's our weather. We've seen a scribe that Jesus actually commends for bringing him a question. And if the answer that Jesus gave back, to love God and love people, if that is true, then we're back to our four-year-old girl. Why? Why would I ever give my ultimate allegiance to anything or anyone if I don't trust them, and if I don't believe they have my best interest at heart, why would I ever do that? But you see, God does want your good. And He shows it at the cross. Why do we love? Because of that. Because He loved us first. The cross is actually a picture of the unique fulfillment of the double injunction to love God and love people. It is a perfect example of Jesus loving God fully and loving us to the end. So you have questions. Good. Bring them to Jesus. I used to have a mentor that would say, he can take your questions. Uh, his shoulders carried cross beams. Bring your questions to Jesus. But listen for the answer. And even when heaven seems silent, look at the cross. Because that is the ultimate answer to the ultimate question. Let me close, just close with one more quote uh, from C.S. Lewis. This one comes from the last page of Till We Have Faces. I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You are yourself the answer. Before your face, questions die away. What other answer would suffice? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.